we're back with the Danger Room's 24 Days of Christmas. This year, we're doing one episode per affiliation, each with its own special guest. We made an effort this year to bring in some guests from all over the world. Sit back, listen, and Merry Christmas. Hello, listeners. We are back with another Christmas Danger Room present. Uh, This time, I have Curtis Osborne with me. Uh, Curtis, say hello to listeners and tell them what you're representing. Hello, everyone. I am representing Hellfire Club this year. Yeah, Curtis did our A-Force episode last year, and uh, it's actually a funny story. Curtis, you should tell them why you are a Hellfire player from playing A-Force. Well, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, it, it feels like I'm just playing with two extra threat now. Uh, with the same team basically moving from She-Hulk to Emma. Uh, but yeah, really, I I started playing A-Force, played a bunch of games with it. I wanted something to dual affiliate for the scenario situations where I didn't want to run A-Force. So I started testing Emma eventually and really liked it. And then I started kind of making the Secures and Extracts more geared to Emma with A-Force as a secondary plan. And then, hey, here we are. We're just running straight Emma. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a, a slow and steady. You know, it's just like dual affiliating Sam Wilson. Eventually, you're just running Sam Wilson. I think Hellfire's the same now. So here we are. Not sure how it feels. Yeah, it's like as soon as you realize, you're like, maybe I should splash Sam, and then it's like, well, I should just probably just be playing Sam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I I really enjoyed playing Emma. Um, I think I, I really like her actual character the more I play her. I know that's maybe not a popular opinion, but um, it's been it's been really fun. She fits my play style well, and I think I moved into it fairly quickly just because I was already used to playing almost all these characters and used to playing with a leadership that got you a lot extra power. So, uh, you know, the concepts and the, the transition was quite smooth. Uh, it definitely wasn't you know, starting from scratch, I, I felt like more than anything, it was a couple games in and I felt like I really had the feel for the list and uh, just really enjoyed running it and probably played it now pretty solidly for the last six months. So it's been great. Yeah, you've been on this list for a while. Um, Pat Dunford was playing it a little bit and then it's basically just been you that's been playing it in the leagues, like with any kind of publicity or publicity, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's it a lot of people I think initially there was some, you know, people were underwhelmed by Emma and there wasn't a lot of popularity around it. And then, you know, anybody who plays this game for an interest in theme, like Hellfire isn't really the the type of affiliation that you say, "Oh, you know, I want to play a team of spider foes or web warriors or guardians if you're that kind of person whatever it is <laughs> i appreciate the shade <laughs> i had to throw it in there i'm, I'm, still, <laughs> I'm still bitter <laughs> maybe maybe by the time this episode comes out i won't uh i won't have this bitterness in my heart and we'll have a good christmas but uh lumps of coal for any guardians players this year in the stockings that's all i gotta say <laughs> but, uh, yes agreed no but i think you know emma's it, there was, you know, some shade on her as a character at some point too. Like, oh, she's underwhelming. She's not very good, and it lost a lot of popularity. But um, you know, it just—I don't know. This list fits my play style very well, uh, and there's been some fun in splashing some kind of unique characters that were unloved, and others who are definitely overpowered and get even more overpowered under Hellfire. So it's uh, got a good variety of of a bit of spice, but you know, I think it's very competitive and uh, definitely in the top three of like great scenario teams in the game right now. You said scenario team. So I guess we should explain why. So Hellfire is mainly like a scenario list, right? And I guess we should explain, you can explain what the leadership does, why people have been playing it as scenario team. And I know you've had, some experience with maybe some attrition avenues with hellfire as well, but I don't know. We could dive into that a little bit or or we could talk about like what the list, like where you are. And I kind of agree with you where the list is currently. Well, Um, well, look, let's let me, I'll I'll give you some context on, you know, that scenario thing first and uh, versus attrition. 
I think that somebody is going to figure out how to play a really good Hellfire attrition list. Uh, it just wasn't me. That's not my play style. And I tried it a bit and I, I didn't put enough games in or have the, the kind of, that's not my skill set in this game. So I think, I think when you can play any model in the game and there's a component of gaining power and healing, in theory, that should be very good for attrition teams, right? Because Emma's leadership, when your models are contesting points, I mean, your models either gain a power, well, they gain a power and they heal a damage. For the most part, I think it rewards scenario teams because you're usually playing lists where there's a lot of um, there's a lot of objectives on the board. And so you have more opportunities to do that leadership and not get negatively impacted by it where you lose a power and take a damage when you're not on something. So that's part of it. Um, the second thing is, I think in this game, if you're playing a very fighty team, uh, power generating leaderships aren't always as strong in my experience because you're naturally generating a lot of power by making a ton of attacks and potentially getting attacked. And the benefit to that is a little less impactful. My experience with Hellfire and playing other power leaderships has been, if I need to get to a critical threshold for a control effect to get online, uh, I can go stand on an objective and have, say, three power on round two for Rhino to do this as a robbery or stampede or beta ray bill to have his throw. There's certain thresholds where normal power generation in the game doesn't allow characters to do their cool stuff. Whereas in hellfire, they can get that on almost every round and it doesn't rely on my opponent attacking me. You know, I can play it into other scenario teams or attrition teams uh, where they can't really ignore these characters anymore. So that's why I think it plays better as a, an, uh, like a scenario affiliation, just, you know, number of things on the board to contest or hold and being able to generate power without your opponents needing to attack you or you to attack them. I've played the list with Corvus and Proxima. You know, there's other characters that are really interesting there that uh, get extra attrition effects by gaining extra power. And I think clearly the healing would be very good in an attrition situation. So you know, somebody who's really good at attrition, I think, could take the list and run with it and probably find something good. Potentially, yeah. I mean, the point about attrition wanting slower and less scenario things makes you makes it so that you're getting burned and taking damage. It doesn't seem great there. So I'm not I'm not quite sure either what the attrition avenue would be for Hellfire. But you and I are coming at this from a scenario perspective, so it's we should probably explain what the what's in the list. Yeah, so I'll go through my list here. So my roster, I have Emma Frost and then a bunch of four threats and three threats uh, with a two. So Emma, Rhino, Beta Ray Bill, Dr. Voodoo, Captain Marvel, the OG, uh, Miles Morales, Black Cat, Lizard, Luke Cage, and Toad. And then with that, I'm bringing Brace for Impact and Sacrifice, my Hellfire Club, this is a robbery with Rhino and Heroes for Hire with Luke Cage. And then no matter the cost, eyes on the prize, fallback, recalibration matrix, and mission objective. And then I'm bringing fairly high-scoring secures and extracts with super-powered scoundrels, infinity formula, and riots over extremists. And then I'm bringing scrolls, hammers, and struggle for the cube uh, for my extracts. Yeah, so the theme here is they're all kind of scenario style objectives like there's no research station there's no demons downtown there's some cool interactions with the secures where you know scoundrels is 20 threats you kind of emma's kind of she's not the most exciting kit so being able since the rest of your list is just completely lean like tier list models i find higher threat games to be really good for them so scoundrels kind of fits that and then Riots and Infinity Formula kind of just amplify what the leadership does. So like Infinity, you know, I get more power. Riots is like, oh, I can just spend my power from my leadership to heal too, essentially. Yeah. With Scoundrels, you know, being high threat and lots of points to stand on, it's great. I can play six wide. And like this is a leadership that scales well with extra models. And I guess what I mean by that is 
Like if you have more models, are you going to be able to get more out of the leadership? You know, and in this case, it's one extra character that's going to gain a power and heal. Um, if you think about a winging it token in Guardians, right? Having seven models on the board isn't going to give you more tokens. No matter what, you can only take three. And so certain leaderships, I think, have incentive to bring more models and um, others have incentive to bring less. And then you've got the whole thing where, you know, high threat characters, you want them to be a large percentage of what you bring. Uh, and I'm not running anything over a four threat. So, you know, my team is really built on going as wide as possible, um, getting a lot of value out of the leadership to kind of make every character about half a threat better, if you will. You know, the healing and the power are very good for making three and four threats feel closer to four and five threats in terms of what they could do on a turn and what their stack cards look like with all that healing. It's all about getting that extra value. And the more you can do to to get extra value out of it on higher point values, the less Emma feels like a bit of an underwhelming character sometimes. Yeah, so we could talk about Emma a little bit. I mean, I do partially agree with you that she feels better than people give her credit for. Like there's a lot of games where, oh, first of all, her Mystic Spender is awesome. That attack is just fantastic. Her builder is fine. It has like a decent trigger. Like trigger is good when you get it, but you know, Emma's just rolling five dice, nothing else. And it's like, oftentimes she's not going to get it. Uh, she has no action economy. So she's just kind of want to post up and make attacks. And like, you're kind of on a, you're bringing objectives where she can't do that easily. Or at least on scoundrels, she's like shooting into cover. On riots, she's probably, you can't really shoot a other node from being on a node. So, you know, right now with Emma, like, I, I think there's a couple things I'd say about Emma. One is there was some thought, I think, when she first came out about taking models where you could take damage and have healing factor to give Emma extra power. I, I do think that's kind of just the wrong approach. Like, really, this leadership is about enabling your other models, not trying to get Emma more power for the most part. So I would say that, first of all, right? This this is really about trying to make everybody else better and not just Emma. I think the second piece of this is Emma has a lot of matchups that she's really good into character-wise. So the best example is Beta Ray Bill. Um, with her able to deny reactive powers, that means Bill loses his um, minus one damage reduction ability. And he's a, a three defense to mystic attacks, right? So all of a sudden, this character that's one of the tankiest in the game, he becomes like a naked three dice, six, five. I mean, he's got less defensive tech than Star-Lord at that point. <laughs> you know, and Emma can really shoot him from far away, especially when that's a model opponents like moving to the, the midline and having as their center grab. Um, the other models she does really well into are like exceptional healing type models, ones that uh, have two mystic defense like Logan and 23 and Honey Badger and kind of rely on exceptional healing for the ability to uh, blunt those really big attacks that go into them. And then you've got other models like Rhino that have two Mystic Defense, and if she can spend them and throw them into somebody when you know they can't play Brace, that's a lot of damage. So I, I think she's benefiting right now from the fact that every game I play seems to have a Beta Ray Bill on my side and my opponent's side. You know, she certainly has a lot of good matchups, and playing her well really depends on like, can I line her up with X model on the other team that she's very, very good into versus putting her in a situation where, um, you know, a, a long range physical attacker is just going to destroy her and make her have to do uh, like transform and do things she doesn't really want to do. So setting her up, though, can make her feel really good. And every time she kills a beta ray bill, it, it's always quite satisfying. Agreed. Yeah. No, her spender is awesome. Like, People forget about the her power inhibition, which is you know, shapeshifter from Mystique a lot. There's a lot of games where like, all right, I'm just going to shoot this model. And they're like, uh, let me figure out if what I want to do. Do I want to play sacrifice? I'm like, nope, you just you can't do anything <laughs> like, oh, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had one time, I think I hit a bill with it. It's like, 
okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna damage reduction. Like, no, you can't. I'm gonna throw a bill like, okay, I'll brace that. No, you can't. Well, I'll damage reduction. Oh no, I can't do that either. It's like, yep, he just dies. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's fabulous. And then I think like another aspect that Emma about Emma is like knowing when to transform. I think Diamond Form gets a worse rap than it deserves. I don't I wouldn't say it's like amazing, but there is some usefulness to it. Like some interactions I've run into that people get mixed up on is if you transform if somebody attack declares an attack into you, you transform into cover, like you have cover now. People think that somehow they don't have cover since they targeted you before you had cover. That's not the case. So if I just like transform onto a dumpster and we're outside range two, I'm getting covered. Yeah, that's a really good one. You know, and then there's other ones, like if a rapid fire character starts shooting at you and you transform out of range, you know, you'll take the first attack, uh, but you won't take the second one because uh, it's going to be out range. Yeah, and that's the first the first shot. The rapid fire trigger would miss. Like they can't, you're out of range now. Yep, just like fallback. Yeah, and then, you know, if it's a character like a domino or someone like that that doesn't have a way of getting back into range, like when someone's expecting to put four attacks into you and only gets one, um, that can be a really good situation for it. Like generally the thing is I find for the most part, I'm okay with Emma getting dazed and having her wake up with enough power to basically double spender into whoever just put that damage into her and sort of say, I, I hope I hope you regret your decision. But there's times when you need to keep her alive at the end of the game that it's really good. Sometimes if I want to rotate her to the other side of the board and she hasn't activated, I'm happy transforming. And then if I want to double move with her and then transform again back into her original form, that extra bump gives her enough movement a lot of the time to, you know, get it rotate around a map D or um, sometimes even on map B, it gives you enough distance to, you know, get further to the other side. It, I used to run a Koye in this list and Emma was able to transform into bodyguard range sometimes <laughs> when you really need to keep her alive. Right. So there's, there's certain things like that where it's like, it's like one of those utility cards where you're like, the transform power isn't always ideal, but you're going to run into random situations where it's really, really good. These are some of the random situations, right? Like getting movement, like, or getting her on her transform side because you're on a pay to flip and you want the 4-4 stat line instead of two physical defense, or you want her in cover, you want to get her out of a rip, rapid fire, or you transform her off a building out of line of sight, right? Like there's just so many random areas that can come up. And just being aware of them is going to make it feel a lot better when you see the situation that makes sense. There's another interaction I like with Diamond Form where if I'm looking, like you said, if you're looking to like pivot secure points, uh, yeah, getting the transform movements is very helpful. But also she has a terrain throw, size three terrain throw in the Diamond Form that most people don't know is there <laughs> in my experience. So if I'm looking to like double move, I might as well have the range one places from transforming and the terrain throw while I'm moving. Yeah, that's a, no, that's a great point. Cause it, it just, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where when you know what options are available and you get more practice with her, if you can think a few steps ahead with like, what do I want Emma to do this turn? You can kind of make the decision, right? Of, well, I'm going to move her anyway. I should transform her or I need her alive this turn because she's holding points and it's the last round. I need to transform her versus you know what she's not really scoring anything and i have prio so i would rather her just die and set up for next turn there's there's those decisions but what i would say is i usually don't transform her just to get a few extra dice and try to survive right it's usually there's another reason there that either i'm denying future attacks or creating movement or you know i want something on the the injured side or the the transformed side so and then also, if you just have, if you just are into 10 power and you can, you can transform into range two, do the AOE attack, which gives you transform on your turn. And then you can make like a mystic attack afterwards, right? Yeah, no, exactly. There's like some, depending on how much power you have, like you can do things. The one caveat, obviously to diamond form, I would say is if you're transforming, like if this isn't the last round and Emma's at risk of dying, you transform and then she dies you're going to have to play next round in diamond form, which can be a risk 
because you just like can't play cards or anything like that. And maybe you want mystic attacks and you won't have access to them. And then the second part is if you transform into diamond, you can't play cards. Yeah. So like your fallback, your mission objective, all offline. Yeah. And I mean, you got to be careful too, because you lose your shield mind as well, which, you know, into some matchups, like it's very good into Thanos now that he can only use it once per turn to, you know, place people away. Like she can stop that from happening. It doesn't work great the way they ruled it into Cosmic Ghost Rider or Ghost Rider. But, you know, sometimes when Emma has six power and CGR has power, just denying a couple of pulls to maybe get his spender offline, that can still be pretty useful. So, you know, there's just a couple things like that where I generally like having Emma wake up in a form where she can kill stuff. And if my opponents are going after Emma, they're not going after all the other models we're going to talk about that, you know, do a heck of a lot with all this extra power and and healing that they get. Yeah, so we can move on past Emma. I think the biggest all-star of this list is Bill. Bill's just really good. He's the most taken model in the game in basically every event right now. He was the only model taken in every WTC team. Uh, He was the most played model at second wind he was the only model i took in all six games of second wind probably played one hellfire game ever without him (laughs) you know and and i would say if you're talking about where is bill the best in the game i think it's hellfire club you know bill adds more to other affiliations maybe if you want to play the best vader a bill take the fact that he needs one extra power a turn to get his throw online uh take the fact that after an eyes on the prize play on round one, he won't have his throw on round two, unless, say, you have a leadership that, you know, gives you a power for holding an extract. And let's take a character that reduces damage to zero and start giving him healing every round. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of insane. And this leadership, like, it sets him up to be able to willingly take a damage sometimes where you would normally try not to. Because, you know, okay, I'm going to spend a power and reduce the damage, but now I'm not going to have a lot of power next turn. Like this leadership just lets you take that damage a lot of the time if you know you're going to heal it up anyway. It just makes him a really unappealing target to attack into. The fact that he has all that control and tankiness, he's a he's a main part of the the scenario plan and he's a main part of the attrition plan. So, um, yeah, I bring him every game. <laughs> yeah, the big thing with Bill is he feels a lot like Four Threat Hulk where he just is very hard to kill. Like it's a lot of games I feel like Bill is unkillable. And he just has the same throw as Hulk, deceptively fast. And yeah, Bill is he's obnoxious. But yeah, he's extremely strong on this list. And he is played basically every game. I will say there have been a f- couple games in hindsight where I wish I left Bill on the bench. And those would be into like Web Warriors. I feel like spamming a bunch of three threats, uh, basically my own Web Warriors into Web Warriors was, felt like a good idea. Whereas they kind of just displace Bill without attack so aggressive doesn't matter and then they don't have any big models to where his throw is any different than anything else and they're not trying to kill him anyway so his durability is wasted and if he gets slowed by all webbed up or something he feels eh. yeah i totally agree with you i think that's that's probably the only time i wouldn't bring bill there's there's maybe a few point values and other times where i don't feel he's as useful and that's a great example of a matchup where he's not at his strongest but you know, fortunately, we have another four thread in the list in Rhino, who's my second most played model. You know, Rhino is very, very good into Web Warriors, and especially under Hellfire, because I think what, what I've noticed playing Rhino with Foes or Syndicate is he often starts with two power on round two. And when Rhino has two power on round two, he's very ignorable and he's hard to get going. The difference with Rhino starting with three power on round two forget about just this as a robbery. If he can start a turn with his stampede and then start with a seven dice attack immediately to get his power generation going, the amount of times on a map D where Rhino is on one of my side D points and he stampedes towards their weak person on the back line, like say Gwen, and then attacks them and then attacks them again and maybe has power to either rob them or chuck a size four at them or you know, dazes them and then robs the person next to them because he can do that kind of stuff. Uh, It's like, it's amazing how much pressure he can put on to teams like Web Warriors or, you know, a Star-Lord on a back point or a Storm on a back point. You know, his, his type of movement gets around things like Spider Tracker. So 
there's just a lot of really great things Rhino does. And pretty much, unless it's like a very narrow map E or C sometimes, Rhino is my next highest played model. And most games I'm trying to play Emma, Beta Ray Bill, and Rhino, and then filling it in with two and three threats as needed. Yeah, exactly. Rhino is just like your your spread out scenario guy. He just always stampedes on round three, and it's a much different game than, like you said, you just he's on two, I'm ignoring him. Yeah, and like I can't tell you how many times he's been on even a map B like Infinity. He'll like do a move, and then he'll stampede, and then he'll attack somebody, and then the bounce off the attack will put him like way further than he should possibly be to like rob somebody completely across the board, right? So... The, the, what I really like doing is usually attacking someone next to the person I'm robbing because it's like, let's try to daze one target, place off of it, try to rob the next person to displace them usually without power, right? And it just creates a situation where the next turn you've got one model way in the middle of nowhere and another model that's probably taken a good chunk of damage. And it's like, yeah. Uh, uh, who are you going to go with? You've got this big idiot now to deal with who has probably healed off any damage he's taken. You know, he's probably still on a bunch of power. And now you have to make a choice. And often what I like doing with Rhino is using him almost as bait to be going after my opponent's extracts, draw a lot of attention. But usually all they're doing is trying to get back to extract parity by taking it back. And so they spend a lot of time basically just trying to tie the game with all the, while all the other characters go and score points and, you know, kind of stay unaffected for me. Like he's just a black hole like that where he seems to attract all the opponent's models towards him. <laughs> yeah, he's really thematic that way where he just kind of gets in the back and starts causing chaos and like your opponent has to answer him which is like, it's very thematic for Rhino. Yeah, it, and you know, some people are like, oh, Rhino's overrated, he's not as good and it's like, I can't describe the difference between playing Rhino in Hellfire and playing Rhino in places he can't get power. It's like, it just feels night and day. And yeah, he's just so good. <laughs> like, he's just so good for what the list needs to do. Yeah, those those three, like Emma, Rhino, and Bill are coming out almost all the time. And that, that kind of informs some of the other choices. Yeah, exactly. We have a couple more four threats here that have a an important aspect or attribute that they share with bill so we can start with captain marvel how long do we have mike how long do we have (laughs) (laughs) we should direct the listeners to the emma frost or not the emma frost the the carol danvers hype cast that curtis did with lucas and sooner and hyper viper uh, which was on lucas's stream uh so i guess we could explain the history of like why is carol here yeah okay so way back when no basically i was I'll tell you, there's something interesting about the list, which is when you get on demons downtown, (laughs) you have to sort of take, you know, four fours and a three. And demons downtown isn't really great for a team that has to stand on stuff to get a benefit because, you know, you basically get lit on fire. At the time in my list, I had Emma, I had Beta Ray Bill, great, he's immune. I had Luke Cage, who um, just ended up playing it well. I had Dynamo, who's good at ease, like, okay, he can hold an extract and be safe, or if he gets incinerated, whatever. And I'm kind of like, I need one more four threat. And I need this four threat to be, you know, incinerate immune, and I need them to have probably something that benefits from the leadership, like, say, they can't generate enough power. And I want them to have a long range attack, because demons and ease kind of play that way. And I'm going through the list, and Someone in a Discord, I think it was JP Great, he said like, oh, I was trying Captain Marvel, like OG, and she was really good. I'm like, oh, goodness. This is a character who gets no love whatsoever, but she literally ticks all the boxes and has a size four throw and has reverse energy pierce, which is great into Guardians, who are usually the ones playing demons. So I ended up putting her in my list and tested her out, and she was great, like, she was the only thing that worked into Cosmic Ghost Rider. And so I brought her in as basically an E-shaped specialist and then uh, found out that Sooner had done the same thing with his Inhumans list on your WTC team. And so I was pretty hyped going into second win knowing that you know this tech was showing up with a couple different power leaderships for uh, anti-CGR tech. 
that was really exciting. I think the reality is she would probably just be Crimson Dynamo if if Cosmic Ghost Rider wasn't terrorizing the meta. But she just basically on ease. She's just a second bill, right? And so you can you can live with one of them being killed because you have another bill who is just maybe less defensive but way more aggressive. Can shoot a lot of the guardians at range. She can throw CGR back into them. Uh, six dice energy rolls with uh, reverse pierce is not the most desirable target for you know Ghost Rider and Star Lord and Rocket to attack into. And she happens to be really good into Crimson Dynamo, uh, being able to reverse pierce his skulls and throw him away from your team and into their team and still shoot him outside of range three. She just does really well on ease and she's really good into the teams that are taking a bunch of ease. So her only weakness is she's a little soft sometimes and doesn't generate a lot of power. And my leadership happens to really help that. So she's like the the only character in this list that isn't already very good and the leadership just makes them stupid. I think she's a character that truly fills a niche role that I need in my list, and she does it very well. Exactly, yeah. Having incinerate immune models is super important on demons, and obviously Bill is incinerate immune as well. Having to ch- pick between getting lit on fire or getting burned by the leadership sucks. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a brutal decision. And so, I don't know, that leads me to, to the next one, which is Dr. Voodoo and... You know, there's there's other options in this spot, like Dynamo used to be in my team at this, but what I found was there were times where I got my secures and my opponent got their extracts at like Senators and uh, Deadly Legacy Virus at 19, and I found my list building was a bit awkward for 19 threat, where if I was taking four four threats and a three to get to 19... I would be kind of stuck with like Emma, Rhino, Bill, and then have to choose between Captain Marvel or Crimson Dynamo to play like my F or B or D map. And so I thought Voodoo was a really good inclusion here because he can be the scenario piece I need, but also be, you know, my 19 point team on Demons Downtown with his incinerate immunity and assuming that my extracts are coming with demons downtown. He gives that list an extract steal uh, as well as kind of a, a get out of jail free card when I don't want to take Rhino on those type of maps. So Voodoo felt like a very, he's really felt like a very good, again, kind of specialist. He's not the first one I reach for anymore after his nerf, but he fills that dual role really well of being great on demons, but also being great on those 19 point scenarios. And he's just a good model. So, you know, it never hurts to have him. But that's kind of where I bring him in on this list. Yeah, I kind of I kind of came to the same conclusion with Dynamo. I found that he wants to like, it sucks to pick up an extract with Dynamo in round one, because then he's probably out of position. Or, or if you're not doing that, then he's getting burned by the demon portal. And then he also just like just sprays damage. He doesn't actually like focus fire anything. I find that that is rough. I really want to just put a lot of dice into one thing and Dynamo just kind of sprays things inconsistently. And I found it wasn't super helpful. I mean, disruption field is really good, but man, I feel like I never convert on it. Yeah. I mean, look, it is really good. Dynamo is still a great model. I I just think that especially into guardians, they have so much range for energy to avoid it. And there's times where I just wish he had more control on his card, you know, because he doesn't really have any. It's not to say Dynamo is a bad model. Like, I've run him in this list a lot, and he's fine. Sometimes you have to pick up an extract and play him back a little more and kind of hop him into battle. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it just, the way the list building works, I like I said, I wanted that. I wanted that team on 19. I wanted to have another steal option in the list for teams like Web Warriors where, you know, they're not going to attack you. So you really want to have a lot of extract play. Yeah, it's just, you know, some very subtle choices. I mean, I came up with a list of other four threats I could have taken, right? Like Rogue, Dynamo, Black Panther, Mr. Sinister, Elektra, Apex, Logan, Wolverine. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's, you can play anyone in the game in this. There's no affiliated restrictions. And so don't take this as like, you have to play these characters. They're the best. It works well for my plan, but you know, a couple changes to the scenarios I bring or the game plan I have 
And you could probably take a team with nine different models and it would be quite strong. <laughs> so this is why I chose these ones and hopefully that helps. But there's definitely other other things in the game that I have yet to test or that would probably be very strong too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's I know there's people who play Electra in Hellfire. She has a lot of cool things. She can The ninjas can grab something, pass it to somebody on the deployment line. So now they are no longer... They can benefit from the leadership round one before activating. You can also just like put your ninjas somewhere so they're not scoring. So then Emma like heals damage when you trigger the leadership. I've played Iron Man in Hellfire before with bringing Helios. You could even bring Stark Armory now um, and just shoot things. And it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah, I've seen Nick Fury too for some extract plays. Like there's there's all sorts, especially at the four threat. And I think the four threat design space is like, Characters that have a bunch of amazing stuff, but don't have the power to use it all, or, you know, they're a little less efficient. I think they're just designed that way. And their stat cards are like, they're tanky, but they're not over the top. I think the Hellfire leadership, to me, seems to really benefit four threats. That It just seems that way. I can't tell you, maybe that's some of the reason why is the design philosophy, but uh, that's just been my experience. And I I've at some points had six four threats in this list and it just it works right so the the list is built around the four threats you know Emma Rhino and Bill being the main ones Voodoo and Marvel being kind of specialists and I think with the three threats the way I would describe like Miles Black Cat Lizard and Luke Cage is they represent a very wide toolbox for me depending on the matchup. And one of my key Hellfire learnings was the decision on what three threat to bring into a matchup is way more important than I thought. It's often the difference like bringing Lizard versus bringing Miles is what wins and loses games sometimes. And so if you take the spectrum of like most tanky, you know, best into attrition, but less controller extract play, it's Luke Cage. And so he comes in on all those really slow games where I need to, you know, run him at 19 or 15 with a couple or two or three or uh, three or four, four threats. Um, that's kind of when cage comes in. Sometimes he'll come into other attrition matchups, but generally I'm looking to bring him on the attrition stuff. Um, lizard is kind of when I'm going to want to throw my opponent's models around but I'm going into kind of an attrition team maybe on my secures that I want someone tanky that's not going to die easily to a Cosmic Ghost Rider and can throw them away and that kind of stuff. Um, Black Cat's very good for, she's kind of that hybrid where she can steal extracts, but also stagger high threat models. So depending on what the extract is, I might choose between Lizard, Cage, or Black Cat to bring into a high threat model, you know, depending on the situation. And then finally, Miles is like, he's so fast. He's got a throw. He's got an extract steal. He's still pretty tanky, but he's extra strong into teams like opposing web warriors where um, black cat or lizard getting slowed is really not great. And Luke Cage just doesn't need to be in that matchup. So my miles being able to have more power than their miles, uh, hop all over the board, steal stuff, um, heal any chip damage that goes into him and use his place to not care about their slows for all webbed up or uh, spider tracker. You know, it lets you play some good teams into webs where you can run like Emma, Rhino, Voodoo, Miles and Toad at 17 and, and generally just be less affected by some of the tech they bring and be bringing just as many steals as them uh, with some good mystic attacks, things that avoid spider tracker, uh, things that don't care about slow as much. Whereas if you took Beta Ray Bill and Lizard into that matchup, they have a lot more tools to really exploit those models and they're not going to do as well. So that's kind of what I mean by this toolbox approach. Um with those three threats especially, because often I'm taking as many fours as I can and then adding a couple threes or a three and a two or two threes and a two. And I want to have a choice of like which one or two are the best for this situation. 
I do think I find in, in hindsight, some of my games, I found that I wished I just played more of the three threats. Like I find that I was like, I could play Emma Rhino and then just all the threes at like 20. Yeah, you know, it's certainly it's certainly a, a good way to do it. Like there's no it's hard to play this list wrong when you're just playing meta characters who get more power and healing, right? It, but decisions whether to go Emma, Bill, Rhino, two threes and a two, or Emma, Rhino, and all your threes, as you get more experience with the list, you can think about it less as like I have a core versus what's the scenario what's my opponent's matchup and who are the models that are going to be good into them and there's so many good generalists in this list that it's very hard to have a matchup where you bring a list that isn't like quite good into them and i think if that comes up it's probably a fault of list building in hellfire you know where you have access to basically the entire uh, library so, you know, it's really hard to to put a bad team out there. And I think the more you play with it and the better your list gets refined and tested, you really start identifying where the gaps are. And that's why a list like this, it's gone through six months of iteration. It's gone through crisis change or, uh, you know, character updates. It's in a new meta. If CGR got nerfed tomorrow and nobody played him and then Malekith was popular or a new character is popular, I would know in my head what models I'd want to be switching in and out and what I might want to try instead. So I think it's like by the time this episode comes out or six months down the road, there could be very different models that are in there for a reason. But the principle is like, here are my core models to execute my core game plan at different threat values. And then here are you know, two to three specialist models that are really good into the matchups I want the most help with at the point values that I think I need the most help on. <laughs> and that that just takes a lot of refinement, right? But that's how I view the list. And then my two threat right now is Toad. It was a Koye for a long time. And for a bit, I ran both. But I just found that Toad Toad does really well with the leadership. The healing is really great when Toad has a cube or multiple cubes in a corner. You know, Toad doesn't just die right away. The extra power on turn one can enable Slippery a bit easier and keep his damage off. So, I mean, Toad's the best scenario too in the game, right? So I take Toad in a list that wants to play scenario. (laughs) And it's not that big brain, but Okoye was a great option for me too. And depending on you know, how you potentially dual affiliate or something. Uh, Bullseye certainly would have a place. I could even see Wong showing up if you really wanted to double down on healing and power generation. Um, There's probably not a wrong way to do it other than I think like a honey badger or a nebula is probably incorrect because I think you really just want to be bringing characters who benefit from the leadership, not just ones that'll take damage and, and heal up, gain power for Emma. Yeah, I've played a Koye and she was I was like at first I was like, oh cool, a Koye can fix the power. The leadership can fix her power issues. And she can bodyguard for my models and stuff, but I found that a Koye, the game's just gotten a lot more aggro and she dies much faster than she did back in the day, even though her defense is kind of the same. She just there's a lot more guns from like range three and four out that should just get shot and killed in one attack. And then it's like, ugh, all right. That's a really subtle example, right? Because I used to have a demons team that was like amazing Spider-Man, Dynamo, Bill, Emma, and Okoye. And then I played it into a Guardians team that just shot everybody out of range four. Like Okoye died so quick. Dynamo and ASM couldn't re-roll anything. And it was just, it was obvious to me that Okoye wasn't, as well positioned into CGR as she was into uh, the Malekith world, you know, being able to use Emma to not allow opponents to move models around, but then have a Koye there to protect them to not be able to kill Emma definitely fit with my play style of like building the knot that I have talked a lot about with a force. So when I transitioned to Emma in the first place, it was like, Playing old Black Cat and Okoye, you know, was basically my A-Force list just with uh, with those models and Emma. And I really liked it and I've probably benefited from maybe playing the most Okoye games of anybody in the last year. You know, it's got to be up there. So, you know, a certain point you play a model a hundred times, you get pretty good with them. <laughs> but it's, uh, I think Toad is probably 
objectively the better choice, but I certainly have a lot of experience in a soft spot for Okoye. And she's one of those models that's very on my radar. If the meta changes and different things happen, you know, she might overtake Toad in the list. Or, you know, maybe there's a change where I don't need Luke Cage anymore because I feel like I can get good value out of a two threat instead. Um, but for now, it's uh, it's Toad in the list for me. I agree. I've played both and Toad feels the best. Toad being able to hold a bunch of cubes, like you said, is really great because he often can just like start pulling cubes off your own models and run away. And then your other models can go fight and stuff. So I'm running scrolls and Toad can grab the back scroll. And I like running, you know, Emma, Rhino, Bill, Miles, Lizard, Toad at 20 as an example. So there's there's sometimes it's like one crisis even dictates, you know, which model goes in the list. Right. But that's kind of the thought process there. We can talk about like some good and bad matchups. I mean, I think we glanced over that slightly. I think off the top of my head, I would say anything that's playing demons is kind of stressful. Researcher, maybe also. I don't know. I hate researcher with a passion and maybe you have better better experience on it than I do. Yes and no. <laughs> it's not ideal. One thing with researcher, if you don't know it, is the evac points for the researcher do count as whatever objective tokens to contest it. You know, you can you can move on to that and shoot people on the researcher if you need to and still benefit from the leadership. So kind of fun fact. I typically like running a team like Emma, Bill, Captain Marvel, and Luke Cage at 15 on researcher. Uh, I find you can basically have you know, between Emma and Cage's spender and Bill and Marvel's throws, you can have a bunch of displacement. If you can win the researcher and bring it back to you, you know, those models can stand there and shoot and throw terrain. And you can try to do a lot of damage throwing opposing models off points and into each other. But demons, researcher, all that is certainly a plan B. It's not a plan A. And I'm always stressed in the priority decision if I win, because it feels like I'm guaranteed something I don't like with my opponent's secures, uh, but I'm also guaranteed, or, you know, I also have a one in three chance of drawing researcher and making my secure irrelevant. So it's, uh, if researcher was out of the game, I would feel a lot better. But I think having a really strong plan for map E, especially at low threat values, is so important for this list. And um, if you're not going to run pure Hellfire and have a plan for that, you know, there's a world where you go, okay, I'm just running uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider and Star-Lord in my list so I can run Guardians with Bill and Toad. Or, you know, I'm putting Malakas, Zemo, and Red Skull is what I've run back in the day. Or, you know, She-Hulk, Bill, blah, blah, blah. It's either have a plan to dual affiliate for those situations or put in specialist models like Captain Marvel who really help on those. At the end of the day, you're going to dedicate two or three spots potentially just for map E and map C. And I think that is the difference between like a Hellfire list that will do fine versus a Hellfire list that can um, try to win tournaments when you get those bad matchups on secures that aren't great. I mean, I've seen people play Hulk in Hellfire as well. Hulk's an option. Hulk can score. Yeah, I've run Hulk. You know, I've tested... um, Teams like, you know, Hulk, Emma, a three threat and a Koye. And it ran very similar to the A-Force teams I would play where you'd run She-Hulk, a Koye, like Domino and Bill or something. Yeah, that team functions very similar. Uh, Hulk doesn't get the biggest benefit out of the leadership, but certainly, you know, healing Hulk a few extra times and giving him a few extra power, it's not the worst thing. And again, you're you can kind of play Hulk, Emma, and whatever models you want. I'm sure people that like playing narrower could play teams like Hulk, Emma, and a five threat. Or, you know, I toyed around with like Emma, Bill, and Malekith right at 15 when he was that kind of character. Like, there's a lot of stuff you can do, right? You could try Immortal Hulk. You could try whatever. At the end of the day, it's have a plan for ease. I don't care what you think your best plan is. Like play models you're comfortable with and test it and feel good about it. It's not my it's not my place to say I think you should do this this and that. I just know I found a plan that works for me and it seems to work well in this meta and in a different meta it might be different and if I had different play styles it might be different. But either way, I've won tournaments with A-Force as my E plan with Malekith as my E plan. 
with Captain Marvel as my E plan, right? It's like, just have one. That's all I got to say. There is something else um, that I was blanking on earlier, but I remembered it was, I found that enemies who aggressively grab my extracts, I ran into a game where it was demons and cubes and my opponent just grabbed my side, my side cube. And now like my loot cage didn't have that cube to grab it. So now for him to not get burned by the leadership, I have to like put him on fire or kill that model. I don't find the Hellfire list has a good way to punish models that come into you very well, unless you get lucky with Rhino, maybe, or or your dice spike or something. Emma can get lucky and like move them in. It feels not great. So, I mean, I guess Voodoo maybe alleviates that a little bit now, but he's kind of a newer addition. Yeah, definitely having having Voodoo, I think, helps. There's a lot of models that don't necessarily love Emma being able to go tee off on them like you know bill is a popular model for for sending across the board in an extract but you know it's one of those things where i think sometimes having a steel next to them kind of prevents your opponent from doing it or maybe you just have to be prepared with your own lizard or bill to go and get theirs but it's certainly an area when you bring a scenario team when when people get aggressive and say, all right, <laughs> I'm going to get up in your face and you have to do something about it, that can that can be an issue sometimes. And they're, they're forcing the game into your dice and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. The, the only benefit, I think, is that with stuff like cubes or, you know, you get on cubes gamma, Hellfire has a really good ability to heal a lot of that chip damage and scenario damage, whereas, you know, your opponents don't. So, Sometimes those situations, I find Hellfire can have a bit of a, at least some extra help from the leadership to nullify some of the scenario issues. And you can just say, well, all right, I'm going through down 3-2 on extracts, but I'm just going to start attacking you to, with every member of my team and hopefully something spikes. Yeah, I find the offense is a little inconsistent. So when somebody plays aggressive into you, you're kind of just praying that the dice come out, come through for you. And then if they don't, obviously they probably had priority and can run away. So you know, you maybe set up positions where you can affect other parts of the table. But yeah, I find that to be kind of weakness. Yeah. And you know what? That's it's a good point. What I found is often because a character like take Rhino as an example, right? He's so good on round two at being able to threaten people with, you know, a stampede or attacks into robbery range. You can set up a lot of threats with the extract steals on different parts of the board and say, like, if you don't move this character, Rhino's going to take their extract, right? So you have a decision to make. And if you put a lot of pressure on your opponents with all these redundant steel pieces and stuff, that can create some issues. The other thing I've really, really focused on lately is using terrain throws as my main source of attrition. And, you know, you talk about leveling out your dice spikes, right? But it's like, when Bill and Rhino both have size four terrain throws, like that's five damage coming into you. So at least my dice are taken out of the equation. Emma has the terrain throw in the diamond form. Lizard throws size three terrain. Luke throws size two terrain. Voodoo, oh, Voodoo's terrain throw is gone. Carol throws size four terrain. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, I, it's one of those things where often on boards, sometimes I'll do more attrition than my opponent just because I'm throwing everything at them. Because, you know, a lot of times their throws aren't online round two and mine are. You know, you talked about it with Dynamo earlier, not liking that spray damage style. That's why I really like the throws. Because when when a model like Rhino can make a couple attacks and throw into you, you know, or Lizard can make an attack and throw. Like, these are models that just, they don't all have a bunch of great attacks and output. But if you're really conscious about throwing early and making them burn their brace or you know have to take these big pieces of terrain it's amazing how later into the game all that damage that you've been putting into people forcing brace out all that kind of stuff that's when on the final turn i'm staring at a model maybe with two damage i have to do today's versus you know these characters aren't great at taking out full health models But throughout the course of the game, if I can be throwing terrain and making attacks and putting damage into people, it works really well. And I get to heal my chip damage and they don't. So it it really adds up late in the game when I need to get some dazes and some control and maybe a steal. Like it's all about setting up that long term attrition for kind of the final turn versus thinking of attrition as taking models off the board. Unless it's a really weak model, then I prefer to like, throw away the model I'm not going to kill 
and go after like a ghost spider as hard as I can and just try to murder her like bullseye, those kind of models who are just annoying. They hold points, they sit on stuff. Um, those are the ones I'm happy to go after because the team is a lot more efficient at going into them. Yeah, I love terrain throws. I think they're probably underappreciated. Back in the old Marvel days, they used used to be able to get around by just maneuvering people, outmaneuvering your opponent and throwing models off points. But I think, yeah, setting up like some kind of long-term attrition plan is good. Terrain throws are consistent dice. <laughs> there are no no attack rolls involved. So And that's where the, the subtle decisions are weird, right? Like if I go with Rhino and I'm going after my opponent's back point extract holder. Sometimes it's like tempting to use robbery on round two because you got three power, you're standing next to them, life is good. But sometimes like I'll throw the size four terrain, you know, and fish for a daze or I'll throw the size two truck at someone or three and fish for, you know, using your brace. Like it's a long game. And I think being at the end and having robbery left and they don't have brace left, um, I've definitely set up some turns where, you know, Rhino has robbed a character who's on one, thrown them into somebody else and gotten a double daze or you know, they're just it happens more often than you'd think when you can save the cards. And so it's like just because they have brace when, when you're sitting there with like Rhino, Bill, Lizard, Emma, <laughs> uh, all these models, like you said, right, Bill, you're like. I'm just going to start throwing people into people. At some point, you get to stop one of these. But if I throw something 10 times, uh, I'm getting a lot of value out of that, right? Whereas if I don't do any throws, then you have brace on the last round. And I got- yeah, I've been playing some Magneto and it's and it's just like, all right, I'm just going to literally throw everything at you. Like, you're going to brace something, but it's not going to be enough. Yeah. Well, and throws get around so much defensive tech too, right? Like all the counts blanks and blah, blah, blah. Often throwing terrain is just the most efficient and consistent form of damage. So I would say that with this list is since the black hat card change and the steals are a little bit less easy to go up and steal and run away. um, I've played this list a lot more aggressively and really focused on doing damage with terrain to specific models that... I think I can kill efficiently Um, having Emma lined up on models. She can kill efficiently and you can get a surprising amount of, of damage through for a scenario team that really helps later in the rounds. Yeah. Agreed. It can, you can have some sleeper aggro with this list, Um, but it's definitely not like the first plan, but yeah, definitely something you should be thinking about while you play. Is there anything we missed? Yeah. I don't think we've missed anything. I, I think at the end of the day with hellfire, there's so many different options, right? That it can be challenging. Like play models you love, play models true to your play style, um, test the list, figure out matchups that you struggle into, bring appropriate models for that. It's just, it's such a toolbox affiliation because you can bring anything that it can be hard sometimes. But at the end of the day, like Captain Marvel works really well in a list like this. And there's probably characters out there that I haven't tested or tried that you say, you know, Mr. Sinister is probably great in this affiliation. I'm going to give him a shot. Um, (laughs) That's, that's the cool stuff. And I think there's a lot of room in Hellfire to innovate and uh, probably room for somebody who wants to play a very attrition style. There's a lot of good interactions there and, you know, things like grunts being able to get involved triggering leadership between grunt activations or husband and wife activations. Uh, There's a lot of cool stuff to explore that I don't have enough games to do, but it'd be awesome if, if anyone out there is inspired to, to try some cool stuff and, and share how it's gone. Speaking of grunts, there has been some chatter on discord about uh, new Ultron and his grunts. And uh, since his grunts never can score, they always get burned by the leadership. So, and when they die, they do an auto damage to everything within two. So you can kind of just like run them up, keep killing them with the leadership. And then at any point when they're on one, you can just pop your leadership and just do an auto damage to a bunch of things. Yeah. My friend Schmid's been doing that in convocation. He did pretty well in the TTS league. And, um, I've definitely been testing Ultron and Hellfire. He's, uh, I think if I were to run a five threat, he would be my number one choice right now. Uh, you know, you can do all that crazy stuff with the grunts, 
Um, you can trigger the leadership between the grunt and Ultron's activation so that he can start with extra power. And uh, yeah, there's there's a whole lot of kind of kind of funny stuff you can do with those interactions and you're bringing a team with lots of throws to blow up terrain and bring them back. So definitely something that I will be playing a lot more of. We'll leave that as a spoiler. Yeah, that sounds sick. All right, so that about wraps us up, but I have a few fun questions. Who is your most wanted character from the comics that isn't an MCP yet? Oh, gosh. You asked me this last year, and I, I have no good answers because I... Uh, Who was it last year? I, I think... I don't remember because I don't have a good answer. I don't know what a comics, Mike. <laughs> if, I, if, I say, if I say Doom, will I be your favorite person? Is that, is that what I have to say? Doom is an always acceptable answer. <laughs> I, I was actually... It, my honest answer, I was really excited uh, about Nightcrawler, but now he's actually coming into the game and we know what he does. So so I don't know if I have a good answer for you, but that would have been my answer before he came out. <laughs> maybe maybe another maybe another Captain Marvel. Just, you know, it's it's on brand. A third one. We just got to do it. You know one. what? My, <laughs> my answer last year, I think, was probably whatever model could be a second A-Force leader <laughs> because... I'd really ah. like to play them again. That's my answer again. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that would be fun if they got like a cheaper leader or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, that'd be hype. And then Sploosh always wants wants to know, heroes or villains? Oh, I, I would say uh, probably more heroes. Uh, but somebody pointed out that I've become most known for playing like strong female characters as leaders. So maybe that's my... Uh, my niche between Emma and She-Hulk and uh, the Captain Marvel popularity. Maybe I'll, I'll give Mystique a try next and, uh, you know, maybe play some Storm and we'll <laughs> we'll do it that way. Dude, I love it. I love Mystique. Uh, she's a lot of fun. I'm excited to talk about her in the Brotherhood episode. But Awesome. Yeah. All right. We will wrap it up there, listeners. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Yeah.